LegalZoom presents How to Start Your Own Business. Step one, go to LegalZoom.com. Step two, press start your business. LegalZoom, now you're in business. LegalZoom is not a law firm or a substitute for an attorney. And that's it. I have no more disclaimers to say. Why am I even here? All I do is fine print. The only thing I've ever been good at is talking fast. Maybe I could use LegalZoom to start my own fast talking business. I guess I could use LegalZoom to start my own auction house and become an auctioneer. They talk faster than anyone, but I have a dust allergy and can't be around all of those antiques. So what about horse racing? Wait, I'm allergic to horses too. Oh, wait a minute. I don't have a bike allergy. I can start my own spin studio with LegalZoom. Yay! Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What up? Javier. What is up, buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches, wherever you're tuning in across the globe. Thank you for joining us on another edition of Benzinga Cannabis Hour. My name is Javier Jase, and my ho- co-host today is Mr. Elliot Lane. That's me. Hey, y'all. What's going on? Here we are. Thursdays, man. How's it going, Javi? How's Argentina treating you today? Treating me very well. This is the last show I'll be doing from Argentina in quite a bit. I'll be traveling to Colombia next uh, Tuesday to do some, you know, in-person reporting from from the north of Colombia, from the Caribbean. Some very cool cannabis operations there. We'll probably be checking out uh, Avicana, Pharmaciello, Clever Leaves, Chiron, um, One World Pharmacy. So, you know, we'll keep you posted on that. After that, we're going to New York for the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. And, of course, to Vegas just to be broadcasting from MJ Biscan as well. So... Yeah, I got to tell you, you know, just to toot our own horn for another minute or so, this cannabis event we're putting on October 14th and 15th is freaking loaded. Um, I mean, you guys got to come. Crazy. I mean, we are having the who's who of this industry participate uh, with the exception of maybe a few operators. But I, I mean, this this is an exciting event, exciting to get back in person. And you guys can come and join us or watch online, your choice. Uh, but we'd love to have you. Um, Javier, it's yeah, been man. a busier week in news. Why, why don't we tell people a little bit about the, the you know, who's who's speaking at the at the conference? Because we got Hulu, sure. we got Houseplant, we got Brano Holdings, Akerna, Wanna Brands, Clever Leaves, Marimed, Harborside, uh, AFC Gamma, Urban Grow, Sundial Growers, and Divas, Lang Worldwide, Polaris yeah, Equity. All you are talking about Sundial, they're literally going to be there. Literally, the himself, Sag George, will be speaking at the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference. So mark your calendars, Ooh. October fourteen and fifteen. Look at Solar Up's comment. Have got my eyes on Zone Properties. Uh, I didn't read the rest of that. I just started that, but I'll read. So looking at it further, Zone Properties will be there as well. They just signed on for the event. Very excited about that. How to best assess its health and strengthen the industry. Any advice as far as evaluating REITs? Oh man, you know it's it's funny. I I just talked to Rob from Polaris Equity. Uh, I had like an hour long meeting with him yesterday. Um, Great, just incredibly knowledgeable about the space. But um, I think it's interesting to watch public versus private for REITs specifically as we move forward and seeing how how their strategies uh, play out. I think there's value to both in different ways. But um, I I mean, Polaris is is doing some cool things. And I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see some cool announcements come out. Indeed, indeed. And generally, REITs are, you know, there's a few ways to to analyze or evaluate uh, a REIT. Um, Beyond, you know, the assets, how leveraged they are, 
you know, who they're, who they're doing business with and, and the cannabis industry is mm -hmm. super important. Well, but honestly, it comes down to experience management, yeah. right? Real estate sure. is one of those things you learn a lot over the years. Zone right? properties it's isn't necessarily a REIT in the traditional sense either. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not necessarily a direct competitor to a lot of your standard REITs. Um, you know, they're, they're an interesting play. And Brian is an incredibly knowledgeable guy. Uh, so I do think you should keep an eye on him. A lot of room to grow. I think it's a young company with big aspirations, and I think Brian is the man to do it. Um, you know, but I, I think it'll it's going to take a bit. It's going to take some years of growth and uh, some more legislation for them to get there. But I think they know that. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of a long term watch list investment type play for sure. Uh, yeah. We have Tilray, SNDL, you know, all the standards. Yeah, what's <laughs> up with Sundial? So today. Sundial launched caviar cones under their top leaf brand. Um, it's it's an interesting really, product I mean, to check out. Share price is really hovering around that seventy mark, uh, mm -hmm. seventy cent mark, I should say, not seventy dollar. <laughs> um, but I, I I like this stock. I do. I said this last week or two weeks ago. I'm a fan of how they have responded to the volatility. Um, so I, I'm personally interested in the long term. I think Sunstream is a brilliant move. Uh, just to kind of, I'm very quickly summarizing my, my thoughts that we gave more in depth before, but uh, I, I love what they're doing. Our Mark. thoughts on Gabby. Uh, we had them on last week. Check out last yeah. week's show. Margo was on last week. I think, here's my thoughts. I think uh, Margo is like a traditional cannabis operator. Does that make sense? Javi, like she's doing things like a little bit more traditionally. She's not necessarily inorganically growing as quickly as other operators are, but she has a footprint in California, the world's biggest cannabis economy and a strong one. So, you know, I, I think yeah. they're going to have to speed up growth a little bit to maintain um, competition. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a bearish sentiment. Indeed. What do you think about Air Wellness? We had some interesting news uh, this week. A-Y-R-W-F, Air Wellness. I, I mean, I love what they're doing. <laughs> I think they're awesome. I think, so did you see Viridian's report this morning? I did Scott not yet. Team? I didn't so, have time to read it. But um, I talked about this. Here's what we're talking about, right? Air Wellness uh, debut in New Jersey via the uh, acquisition of Garden State Cannabis Dispensary. It was $101 million dollars in uh, cash and stock. Very, very interesting deal that they just closed. So, I mean, it, in New Jersey is a huge market to enter. It's a lot of money for, I think, the asset itself, but I think overall they'll, they'll make it back relatively with ease. Um, but I think with Air, now, so Viridian, actually, I'll go back to them first. What, what Scott and team said, they think Air has one of, if not the best, single footprints for an MSO. Uh, with their recent acquisition with Illinois, with this acquisition in New Jersey, uh, they think Air Wellness is poised to be the top MSO as it stands right now. Their price target is, I, I think, actually less than what they're at right now. So I think they'd probably adjust that. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, everybody's bullish on the stock for good reason. Um, and I actually heard Jen in a panel at SALT conference two days ago, had a very interesting sentiment on federal legalization. She 
<laughs> she very much hopes it doesn't happen anytime in the near future because the more <laughs> she's able to roll up yeah. at, at Air Wellness, the more brands they can have, the more of a footprint they can have going into federal legalization. I mean, the, the more ahead of the competition that they're going to rise, they're going to be. I think you see that um, sentiment from a lot of tier one MSOs, but Jen is embodying it. Yeah, man. Super interesting. And, and that's a view that, that several MSOs and, and operators in the cannabis space share. Um, controversial one for sure, right? Um, for sure. You know, what, it's very much a corporate, a corporate <laughs> view, you know, less uh, health and wellness view. And I think cannabis got to where it is by, um, by, by embracing the health and wellness. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's an interesting thought. And actually, I'd love your thoughts on Michigan. Uh, as well, do you see that uh, they're kind of taking another step away from home grows? What, what are you seeing? Not not step away, but they they're they're trying to enact uh, legislation. I, I touched on it this morning. Listen to Cannabis Daily, y'all, uh, 10 a.m. every morning on our podcast channel. But uh, essentially, they're they're taking another step away toward home grows, and it's not necessarily illegal, but it, it's definitely more restricted. Uh, yeah, they're they're trying to reduce the number of, of plants allowed and stuff like that. It's it's definitely not a good move. There's there, honestly we're starting to see a lot of, of industry pressures right over policy. Um, I just hope you know the the lobbying is, goes in the right direction, and not just to, you know pushing corporate interests over. over well, health. and I think, but you need both, and, and you know, I I am as advocate or I'm sorry, as aggressive in the stance as possible, you need that corporate side. You need oh, yeah. it wholeheartedly to for this industry to move forward. But you cannot forget the culture of cannabis along the way, you know, because that, that's why we are where we are now. Um, you know, and, and that those, those will be your consumers. Red, white, and blue. We had an interview with them. Ago. You and Patrick did an interview with them yep. last like week, right? Or last week, last Tuesday. Yeah, last Tuesday. Go, go to, to YouTube after the show and just Google Cannabis Insider, Red, White, and Bloom or Benzinga Cannabis Insider, Red, White, and Bloom. And you'll find the interview with all of the details regarding the Michigan market. Zach has a great question. Do you see that? Uh, any thoughts on SAFE possibly being included in the NDAA? Seems like a real possibility from what I've read. I, I heard that too today on CNBC. Um, Tim Seymour seems pretty optimistic. Uh, there was another investor or talking head on the channel that seems to think it won't happen the end of this year. Um, but I, I think that is what is needed to kind of more focus in on how they're going to get this done. The mm -hmm. Schumer bill was way too broad. You know, I, yeah. I think everybody knows that everybody says that it's not my personal view, but it was just too broad to get anything done. Um, so I think including something in a more specific sense, like, you know, getting rid of 280E, putting safe into NDAA, things like that are indeed. ways to take steps forward and get small wins. Oh, yeah, indeed. Definitely more palatable for, for lawmakers and for the general population, for sure. Should we bring on our first guest? Up to today? you, my friend, but it sounds great. I'm excited. I know nothing hey. about this part of the industry, so I'm very excited. It's awesome. We'll be talking about human resources with Synchrony HR CEO and managing partner, Kyle Kelly. Kyle, what's up, my friend? Hey, guys. I, look at this HR stuff is not nearly as interesting as the stuff you were talking about. So 
Enjoy. Uh, it, it's all necessary, though. It Listen, is. Like, it nobody is. We'll should. We'll make it interesting. That's what it's yeah. about. Yeah. Nobody should sleep yeah. on how businesses run, That's uh, especially in an emerging market and, you know, the obstacles that you're facing. So I'm pumped to dive in. But Kyle, tell us about yourself, man. Uh, tell us about Synchrony. Yeah, well, myself, I'm uh, over 25 years in this crazy uh, HR outsourcing business. So I look back often and say, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. But uh, <laughs> uh, Synchrony HR is exactly that, guys. We're, you know, we're helping uh, the businesses outsource the, the, the stuff that's not the core part of their business, you know, um, handling payroll and tax, you know, handling HR issues, um, you know, handling technology utilization, if it be time management or employee benefit administration or how to onboard an employee and do an I-9 verification, um, risk management, you know, securing workers comp, uh, which unfortunately in, in many, in many states, we've got to, you know, we've got to execute that, uh, and employee benefits, you know, that's kind of the core part of synchrony HR. Now we do that. We do all of that for a lot of our clients. We do some of that parts of that. Um, and it's just allowing them to focus on their core business, uh, let it just handle that stuff. So, Difficult kind of, business it is. So yeah, I'm yeah, sure a very yeah. necessary platform to run there. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, I mean, Javi, if, if you don't mind me kind of jumping in, I'd love to kind of understand, are there traditional issues in the cannabis industry for HR companies uh, that, you know, to kind of start and ground this conversation we should be aware of? Um, yeah, there are. I mean, I, I think there's some things that aren't necessarily um, uh, compliance driven, but certainly things that are making it a little more difficult for the uh, for the cannabis industry, securing workers' compensation, right? Depending on what 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 the folks are doing out there, if they're running dispensary or if they're harvesting or if they're doing farming or anything in between, that becomes a bit of a challenge uh, for the guys trying to either grow that business or establish that business and securing those lines of coverages. Uh, what's great here through this alliance, right, guys? You're going to hear me say this a hundred times. This alliance is about aggregation, why right? we're aggregating all of these businesses kind of under one. So we've got a little more buying power, purchasing power, if you will. So the smaller guys can take advantage of what the bigger guys can get. And securing workers' compensation is one of those. Not only is it hard because of the, what we call the class code that the, you know, the uh, Workers' Compensation Institute puts these guys under, um, you know, it's hard to get competitive pricing uh, because there's, there's risk involved. So I think that's probably one of the big areas that you know, the, the, they're going to be faced with, and, and we can certainly help secure that. Another big one, the, the famous uh, tax code 280E, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and, and how to manage through all that and have the appropriate, um, you know, reporting and, and things the owners need to be able to, to, to file that tax appropriately. And a, a, a lot of pieces of our technology, certainly our time and attendance system, having the ability to keep track of all that. You know, that's a, that's another big one. Um, and I'll just say one more. And, and unfortunately, it's in the line of insurance, employee benefits. It's the exact concept of, uh, you know, the workers comp stuff. Either you're just starting up um, or you're rapidly go- growing in multiple states, mm-hmm. securing competitive, strong, good employee benefit uh, options is huge to hire and retain good talent. So, you know, those are just a few. That, and those are a few that of our cannabis clients, those are ones we're helping them with every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and how are you solving some of these, right? Of course, without spilling the secret sauce, but like <laughs> what, what's, 
Like what, what are some of the things that, that you're doing to, to help solve, for instance, you know, the, the lack of employee benefits, right? As you say, because it's not a lack of willingness, right? From, from most employers, it's just a lack of availability. Yeah. Well, look, one of the, one of the, one of the things that most business owners love to talk about is insurance, right? So it's a lot of it is just pure education. What are, what are the options that are out there? You know, um, what are some of the others in my industry doing that's working? If it be contribution strategy, benefit plan design choices, what they're offering, you know, whatever that might be. So I'd say, uh, Javier, the first and foremost would be just giving them knowledge on their options, what's available, what they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. What's a reasonable contribution strategy for, you know, my manager and my, you know, my frontline folks. Um, so I, I think that's one of them. And then again, as I said, I'm going to harp on this a bit, but the fact that we're buying in bulk, you know, we are, you know, we are working with a select handful of carriers out there that are, that support the industry and are, and are, you know, helping us manage quality rates and premium dollars, you know, versus just one of these, you know, going out and just trying to secure the coverage on their own. And really having no guidance, so you know the cost of the coverage itself. Um, I think those are those are two big areas um, that were, I think, helping a lot of these um, groups a lot. So yeah, and just just to kind of expand upon that, you know, looking at your website, you know, something that you all, I don't know if claimed is the right word, but but I think mentioned is really helping the bottom line, helping these companies save money. You know, and, and if I think of a, like a third party um, outsourced, you know, firm, that doesn't yeah. sound like something that's saving money. So I'd like to hear from you, like exactly like how are you saving these companies money, yeah. these companies money, you know, and helping these investors get more return? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and ironically, we're starting to do a lot of work with the private equity and, and investment bankers that are very active in the cannabis industry because, you know, we're able to, again, come across their entire portfolio and do a lot of things. The first thing I want to say when we, we talk about savings, there's that soft cost, hard cost, right? And, and that's, you know, and that's one of the things when we, when we work with a client uh, before bringing them on, we kind of go through an entire discovery. And what we're doing is we're, we're trying to understand the, the structure of the business. What are some of the goals? What are they doing today? If they're an existing business, what are they outsourcing today? What are they doing in-house? so on and so on and so forth. And, but through, through that exercise, I'm able to evaluate really what we're looking for and what they're needing. Um, and so we could come to the table and, and literally hit the bottom line because we're able to save them 20% on a worker's compensation rate or an employee benefit program. I mean, just right out of the gates. Or um, business owner is looking to get rid of a, a body or two that's doing nothing but HR work. You know, look, unfortunately, at the end of the day, HR is a you know, it is a role that many businesses are looking to, to, to outsource today. It, it's, it's hard to justify unless you're a pretty complex, very large organization, the, the need for a human resources uh, person on staff all the time. So in that case, we're actually bringing an entire headcount back to the financials and in, in, in looking at a savings. Um, or there, quite frankly, could be a situation where they're either using employees or they've got another outsourcing provider or multiple providers that they're paying for three to four services when we can consolidate that all under one and radically reduce that cost. 
So it's, it, you know, it could come in the form of an actual dollar to the bottom line, or it could mm -hmm. come in the form that we're, you know, we're, we're shifting a cost that was sitting in the budget that now no longer exists, you know? Um, so that, that's some of the areas, you know, another, another area again is, is, is all around the creating efficiencies as well. You know, the amount mm -hmm. of time, unfortunately, as you guys know, a lot of these owner operators, they're doing this stuff late at night. They're doing this stuff, you know, on the weekends oh, yeah. or whatever. And, you know, our ability to, to utilize technology and to start pushing stuff through a more efficient process, you know, you can't necessarily put a dollar next to it, but it's that time somebody's spending that no longer has to be allocated. And they can allocate that towards something else, growing the, growing the dispensary or, or whatever the operations are looking to focus on. So, oh yeah, and you yeah. can definitely put a dollar yeah. value on it. To be sure. honest, like I I know how how long it takes for me to to pay each one of, of the people to check each one of their contracts to send it out to check their hours to check their performance, right? It it, it takes hours. Sure. Every month. Well, and and we've got we actually featured um, I think for you guys uh, last month one of the biggest areas not only for the cannabis industry that we work so much in but also our traditional clients, recruiting talent. I mean, let's face it, the workforce right now and getting good quality talent is so hard. But mm -hmm. Javier, to your point, you think about that paper you're pushing during the process you described. Think about the application, pro that whole uh, resume and and putting the, the, the job out on the job post and that mm -hmm. resume coming through and trying to get everybody to look at the resume and then get the interviews organized and doing the oh, yeah. It's crazy. And you don't even know the quality of those candidates coming through. Oh yeah, and I'm hiring on Twitter right now, and it's just <laughs> right. like exactly. it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's like okay, uh, someone is looking for like when I'm trying to source for someone like a, a good friend or whatever. Like, hey, I'm looking for a writer. Okay, like who wants a writing job? And then I get like 50 direct messages, you know, on Twitter. Well, I'm, clearly, you and I are going to have to talk after the uh, broadcast. <laughs> here, but, so our our we have a system. It's an applicant tracking system, and. You guys, ultimately, you put together the job posting and you put it into this system. And this system basically is it scrapes all the job boards out there and it funnels the people in electronically. You can you can have have them do some interviews. You can have them put them up on video. So you're getting a feel of these candidates even before you actually talk to them. And then they manage the candidates coming through the system and you're able to then out and uh, um, assign that out to the hiring managers. And now they're hiring, you know, not only do they get a stack of 100, they're getting a stack of 20, but there's a high probability they're going to hire, you know, one or so of those candidates. And that, that, that's, a, that's, to me, an incredibly efficient process we're able to bring to the owner operators in that category. So, Wow. I mean, so you're looking at a wide volume, you know, out of, I mean, I, I guess, you know, there's, there's the recruiting thing throws me for a loop here. I'm not going to lie. So, and not you specifically, but recruiting in cannabis. Cause like you have firms that are specifically executive search firms and now more and more you're seeing more staffing firms. Yeah. Um, you know, are, are you both, are, are you, you know, are you more staffing? You know, I know it's, it, it could be both very easily, but I know this industry is very picky about its executive style. Yeah. So we're, we're actually neither. So I can clear that out quick. So what Perfect. we are, we're going we're gonna to help manage the flow of all those candidates we're not responsible for finding those candidates okay that makes nice. sense yeah so as you're either using your executive recruiter or your staff recruiter or you're using job posts that you've already that you're already utilizing or you want some specialty ones 
that's you tell us and then our system will help track that resume job flow as they come through the pipeline so that it's clean and efficient. So you're not getting all these Twitter messages as Javier is talking about or all these LinkedIn posts or all these resumes in your mailbox. It's all coming together. And you can actually even program this to have them send you a, you know, a video of them maybe asking a question that you might want to have or whatever it might be. But it gives your hiring manager or the owner a, a, a look at that candidate versus just freshly looking at the resume and making that call. You know what I mean? So that's really interesting. Yep. Yeah. It's a really cool. And then, by the way, should that person get hired, mm-hmm. it goes right into our electronic onboarding system. The I-9s are electronically verified and it goes right into the electronic onboarding, employee benefit enrollment, if applicable, and right on down the line. And all that paper is removed from that process. Very cool. I imagine. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Javi. You go, please. I was just going to say, I imagine, you know, you're not constricted by the normal, you know, kind of state market lines, but uh, do regions make a difference to you? You know, do you focus more in one state, more with certain types of companies? You know, what are your standards for working with uh, yeah, great. companies in this industry? No, it's a great question. I mean, we're first, we're licensed to do business in the entire country. Um, right now, we're probably running payroll, I'd say, in about 45 states. That doesn't mean we can't do it everywhere. That's kind of where we're going. But specifically um, to that question, you know, we're we're obviously getting pulled into the bigger metro areas geographically. Mm-hmm. Right. That's as it is probably with you guys. But that's pr- pretty common. Now, we're headquartered here in St. Louis. So we're kind of in the heart of the Midwest, which which I like operationally because we can kind of hit those time zones from a service perspective on both East coast, West coast. Mm-hmm. Our new business growth efforts are, are certainly drawing us to the Northeast um, and parts of the Southeast and really kind of Midwest West. So, um, you know, we, we love Texas. We love Colorado. We love California. We love Washington. You know, we love New York, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. We love the Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, and probably a sprinkling in, in between. Um, and, and honestly, that's also driving because of where our business is. So we've got obviously this entire cannabis vertical that we do a lot of work in. Um, mm-hmm. But we do we are we do vertically sell, which also draws us kind of these markets that you describe. And when I say that, you know, we're, we, we can we do a lot of hospitality business, um, not so much the mom and pop diners, but we're doing a lot of kind of the white linen uh, larger restaurant group. So a restaurant group owner that owns multiple types of restaurants, probably ones that you guys have dined in nu- numerous times. <laughs> uh, and and we do a lot of, ironically, radically different than that. We do a lot of technology, kind of, uh, I'd say, gray, white collar. So high users of our technology is right when they start their business, they're like, we're outsourcing this stuff. Um, so that's kind of what draws that regional push that we, uh, that we do. And another thing to note guys, we, um, we're pro- uh, the, probably the bulk of our entire growth is from a referral partnership. You guys are a referral partnership of ours. We're not out really banging on the end user door. Everything comes from a professional relationship. So, so that all determines kind of where we're growing. Yeah. You know, b- back to cannabis for a second, yeah. where are you, seeing, you know, in hiring the, the biggest gaps, right? What, where are the most, needed and sought after positions, professions, you know, studies. 
in other words, what roles do, do we see the cannabis um, clients looking? Rod, yeah. A lot of it back to what you guys are saying, a lot of staff positions, quite frankly. Um, and, and really what, what, what makes that role very competitive, right? First of all, there's a, there's a, there's a flood of that out there, but it's getting people up and wanting to be active and get to work. And what's driving a lot of it, I'll tell you, obviously there's always the, the pay itself, but they're looking for more now. And that's why I keep coming back to they're, they're under, they want to understand what the employee benefit program looks like. They want to know what the 401k contribution is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're starting to ask questions beyond just the core part of that compensation. They want to know what their PTO policy is going to look like. And unfortunately, as owner operators, you've got to you've got to be prepared to attract if you're going to attract that talent and retain them because of the flood in, of, of folks out there looking for work. You, you've got to be prepared to if you like it or not, you've <laughs> got to be prepared to offer that. And we do a lot of we do a great job in, in being able to allow that small business owner to be much more competitive, particularly when they're trying to recruit against the bigger guys. That's very cool. Yeah. How big is technology in the space of HR? It seems like very important looking at what you offer, but uh, I'm curious how competitive that makes it for you guys. Uh, it, it, you know what, when I say technology, you know, I, I, a lot of times people say technology, like, what do you, what do you mean? We're at, in managing my employees, what do I need technology for? But it's actually big. I mean, if you think if you think about the life cycle for a moment, we, we've touched on a lot of the kind of the individual components of it, but they're all tied together if you think about it. And so many businesses now are doing this stuff manually, right? And when we engage with the clients, even if they are as basic as ever and as manual and old school as ever, we are trying to push them to a paperless electronic environment. Um, we, we don't always win, but that is the goal. And, and it starts again, guys, from that, that whole recruiting applicant tracking process that I just described. If you think about how manual and filled with paper that process typically is, you know, we're, we're, we're working real hard to get away from that. We're trying to get away from, I mean, think about either when you guys were hired or some, or, or some affiliates, an application, filling out an application. Don't do that on paper. You know, let's that that should be an electronic process. Once you're hired, you got all the the the, the state, local, federal stuff like an I nine. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're you know you're capable of working here in the United States. That should all be done electronic. Um, and then as you go in, don't use a time card and an old time system to, to track people's time. You know, let them log into their smartphone or their laptop or whatever and log in and check in and check out for lunch. And, you know, let's get away from the missing the hole punch in the in that old system. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I love that the hardware for that all the way to, you know, enrolling in benefits. Don't fill out a paper application. Let's let's have that in the system. Let people take a look at what their benefits are. Just like if you're going to buy a, a TV, let us compare the plans that you like and the, what the, the yeah. price is going to be. Let me take a look out of a video if I need education on that health plan. The problem with healthcare is it's just, it's education. People will understand it if they're, if they, if they have an opportunity to learn it, you know, who teaches uh, us though, except for you, Kyle. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, so, that's why you guys got, yeah, I, I, I got all that kind of stuff. I have one more question. I'll let Javier kind of finish up with his thoughts. Um, the addressable market within cannabis right now. Um, and you don't have to know this, you know, it's not something we talked about previously, but 
do you have a sense of how many companies out there still need HR initiatives um, or are lacking what you provide um, and what the addressable market looks like as we continue to grow in this industry? I, I, I don't have a, an actual number statistic, but it, it's, it's, a, it's huge. It's amazing to me. And it doesn't mean that, you know, these, these owner operators, you know, it's not on their radar. What it means is they just, they, they're dealing with so much other stuff. They, they can't take a second to even think about this stuff. Yet over time, it becomes a huge part of the success of their business. I mean, you're talking about people, you're talking about, um, you know, managing those people, staying in compliance. You're talking about insurances that you have to have to be in business in certain states. Um, so it's, we're putting a massive investment in, in continued resources and technology that supports the cannabis industry, because we believe this thing is just going to continue, uh, to expand and the need for what we're doing, uh, will continue to be there. And, and, and really it's about us educating. We just got to get in front of it and say, guys, you don't need to worry about all this stuff. We got you here. Focus on getting your shop going and, and, and get the employees in here and, you know, and running and, and, and creating sales and, and bringing in more customers. So that's fantastic. Kyle Kelly is the CEO and managing partner at Synchrony HR. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us at Benzinga yeah. Cannabis Hour. And we hope to see you at our Benzinga Cannabis yes. Capital Conference. Yeah, it was a pleasure, man. Thank you for, for joining us. Sure. I appreciate the time, guys. Thanks so much. All right. Be well, Kyle. Bye, right, man. That was interesting. I've, I've honestly never had the conversation about HR in, in cannabis before and the obstacles. Because it sounds boring, right? Because when, when they tell you, okay, let's Damn, talk Bobby. HR, you go like, no, nah. <laughs> but it's so necessary. Like, like, guys, like service providers are necessary to the growth of a company. Like, I mean, so, I mean, I, I'm glad we had him on. I learned a lot. Um, obviously, one of the leaders of what he's doing. And uh, if he ever goes public, we'll keep you guys updated because I don't know how much competition there is, maybe like work. Synchrony, that's the only two I can name. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, Javier, any other thoughts, no. man? Not a lot more. Just some other news, right? Tilray is attempting a bullish reversal. Aren't no. they always attempting a bullish? Well, trend? yeah, but read, read <laughs> why. There, there's a technical reason for this. Go to Benzinga.com slash cannabis and go check out the article. You know, we got charts and graphs and everything to explain why this might be a yes. good moment. for It's, it's a great article. I read it right before this podcast and... Um, you know, honestly, Javi, your team does an incredible job. I do want to address a quick uh, comment. So I've been seeing this a lot on Benzinga's Twitter, but it says hashtag crypto dads. Um, I need a hashtag canna bros. I'm sure that's taken, but or hashtag canna dads, hashtag canna Javi. I don't know. Y'all come up with something. Let us know. But uh, we can't just let this go unattended. Javier. Weed wordsmiths. <laughs> You know, weed wordsmiths. I'm down. Y'all start that hashtag. Hot prodigies. I got a few in the works. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Javi's going to drop them on Twitter. DM us, y'all. Send us your best hashtags. Uh, Javier, super pumped for the next uh, interview. Uh, we, this is not the first time we've had Cure Leaf on. In fact, I think it's like the fourth, but we've talked to different executives every time. I mean, it's a massive, massive company, right? Massive like, amount this of is... knowledge that each of these have. These, these executives have to get to where Cureleaf has gotten. It's incredible. And I'm super yeah. pumped about this. Well, this is a completely new perspective, by the way. Today we have Cameron Forney. Uh, he is the founder and president of Select at Cureleaf. Cureleaf trades on the OTC under the ticker C-U-R-L-F. 
I met Cameron several years ago when he was uh, still running Select and Select had yet not been acquired by uh, Cool Relief. Uh, I think at the time it was actually called Cura Cannabis Solutions, right? Yep, Cura Cannabis Solutions, that's right. I don't even remember that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> Cameron, it's good to have you, man. Thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, Cureleaf is is a, is a very large company. You're right, Javier. Um, you know, I I started in 2015. Um, you know, I, I started building the brand uh, Select. Um, you know, started my living room. You know, mm -hmm. my credit cards. You know, really got into the cannabis industry. Luckily, Oregon had low enough barriers to entry to allow you know a, a young entrepreneur like myself to be able to kind of cut his teeth in the market. Um, so I was very very fortunate to be in the Oregon market uh, to to begin my career. Um, then, you know, my uh, a partner got bought out um, by a, a, a famous entrepreneur in Oregon called Nitin Khanna. Um, I merged into Cure Partners, um, became the CEO of Cure Partners, um, led Cure Partners for several years, um, growing from Oregon to California uh, to Arizona. We became the fastest growing company in the history of Oregon ever, doing 14, over 14,000% growth in two years. Um, we won a few best companies to work for. Um, we started with the first cannabis company to offer full health insurance to all employees, and we started wow. with a, a $20 hour uh, minimum wage. Um, so we, we really uh, we really did a lot of, a lot of good work there uh, at, at Cure Partners. That was acquired by Cure Leaf. Now Cure Leaf is a whole nother different monster. All right. So now I, I stayed on for Cure Leaf for one year. Um, I'm I'm now a special advisor to the CEO Joe Barron of Cure Leaf. He's just an incredible person, incredible guy. Happy to have him in the industry. Um, he was running Boss Water. He's the CEO of Boss Water prior to that, and the chief strategy officer for Cadbury. So some very significant companies, you know, in in, in the world. Um, you know, CureLeaf now is about 5,000 employees. It's in 23 Whoa. states, and as you know, cannabis in every single state is like a different country. So it's 23 different sets of rules, regulations, city codes, uh, Department of Trans uh, uh, um, uh, uh, OSHA laws. Uh, 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 the Bureau of Cannabis Control, Department of Taxation. There's there's a lot of different hands in the pie in a lot of different states. Um, so Cureleaf's in 23 states, um, over 30 processing facilities, 131 retail licenses. 103 of those licenses are active, and they just bought the largest cannabis company in Europe called EMMAC, um, which is yeah. currently participating in nine countries, um, or six countries. I apologize. So, you know, Cureleaf is a very, very big, 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 uh, big company. It did about uh, uh, $312 million last quarter, 27% EBITDA, um, growing, you know, 166% year over year revenue. So Cureleaf is an absolute gem. Um, why I did the deal with Cureleaf was because I wanted to build the largest cannabis brand in the world. And I wanted to build a brand that people could know and people could trust and people could rely on. You got consistency, you got quality of product. We started that with setting pesticide standards very, very early in the state of Oregon, uh, worked with the uh, uh, regulators to set those standards, worked with regulators in California, Nevada, Arizona, and, and our CureLeaf team has been working on the East Coast. So mm -hmm. select really stands for quality. Now hitting quality at scale is a whole different animal, all right? That is a different monster. You're talking about 23 different rules and regulations, 23 different packaging sets, can it be opaque? Can it be see-through? Can it be uh, 800 milligram cartridge? Does it have to be 1,000 milligram cartridge, right? There's a lot of hurdles there. So right. Select is now in 21 states. Select will be in 23 states shortly. It will also be in six countries after that. So there is no brand in history yet that has been able to reach yep. this number of customers um, in the world. Purely can select the U.S. addressable market is about 192 million customers right now. 
um, and then our potential addressable market in Europe, when it all goes uh, legal over there for a recreational market, will be 740 million uh, wow. customers over there. So, Curos is a very, very big, uh, big entity, but uh, now, uh, now just advising uh, with CureLeap and helping uh, select with innovation and, and uh, expansion um, uh, and product development. And then I also am uh, doing uh, a couple other projects. Um, Hypescale is a venture fund that I have um, going on. And uh, uh, that's, that's really kind of another piece of my focus right now. So, yeah. And, and I love that one. We'll get back to that in a second. But yeah, yeah, yeah. before we move on to the millions and the billions and the, the, you know, all these massive markets, you said all this started in your living room. I believe then there was a garage involved. I, I remember you sharing the story with me in, in 2016 when you were just starting and I was writing my book and, and yep. it was, you know, you were, you were, it was almost an instant hit, but you were at first you were just like filling cartridges yourself. Like, can you share a little bit about that story and maybe some some learnings that you've gotten from it in, in terms of building something from the ground up really you know from, from a scrappy startup to a multi multi-million dollar company absolutely you know you, you, yeah and and I, by the way i don't know you know if it's important but you're not like the 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 guy with with like you know phds and in, in in business right like you you really did this a lot intuitively you did you did study business management and stuff like that right but yeah so entrepreneurship university of oregon and played hockey there and it was a great time yeah yeah so always been an entrepreneur my whole life and yeah that the, you know i think what you're talking about is there's, there's my wife and i filling our first car <laughs> uh in the living room that's that's really how it started um and you know i just did some research i i you know if you want to be successful the fastest way to be successful is one through mentorship um, and two, studying other people that have been successful in other industry segments. So I looked at the vape industry and the vape industry is, a, you know, back in 2015 was a $40 billion industry. It was, it was colossal compared to the legal cannabis market. Mm -hmm. So we started, you know, or I started um, getting different, uh, uh, I would go down to these vape contests, one in Eugene, they had these King Cloud competitions where these guys would take these mod boxes that are like this large, 2,000 bucks, they go blow these huge clouds and these guys are literally doing like one hit of vape one hit of air like oxygen like that's how they live their lives like they're doing this all the time so why are they doing this right what are they using they were all using japanese they were all using um japanese organic cotton and they're all using a uh a mm -hmm. campbell steel and a nichrome and everything went in cannabis at that time was using silica fiberglass Silica fiberglass was synonymous with the e-cig market, but silica fiberglass was also gave you the uh, ability, all these, most of these products are made in China. So it gave you the ability to handle a multitude of viscosities because oil can be very, very thick at high potency, mm -hmm. it can be very, very thin at lower potencies, depending on CO2, BHO, EHO, RSO, uh, live resin, uh, live rosin, and all those different multitudes of viscosity have to work in a cartridge, it's similar. So back in that time, there was, everyone was doing silica fiberglass, I brought Japanese organic cotton into the cannabis space. Um, I called it, called it my nano cartridge. Um, I had American Cancel Steel, which is what they're using in the e-cig market. I wrapped it with organic cotton and I started using CO2 oil. That's how I designed my first cartridge, um, which was the Select Nano Cartridge, Select Strains is what it was called at that time. And kind of built that up, built that up and started growing it fast. I would remember, uh, you know, leaving, leaving the house. I got my house uh, registered as a live workspace 
and I got a medical license on it. So I was allowed to have uh, yes. 28 ounces at the time. So I would leave my house and I would go to the stores with my medical card and medical license. And I would sell into the stores out of the back of my Jetta and go in and I met, you know, a ton of great people along the way, a lot of great owners. Um, you know, I've been to now 1,700 dispensaries in 21 states. Um, so I don't, I don't know anyone uh, else that's put this much grind into the, the cannabis scene as far as going store to store and door to door. But that's really what I've been uh, doing. That's what I've been doing for the last six years. Yeah, yeah. scrappiness. I love that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to touch on really quick the brand uh, aspect of Select. And then yep. I want to I want to follow that up with a question from the chat from Zach. Um, you know, you built one of the top five brands by BDSA standards in terms of sales uh, in, in the country. Mm -hmm. I can't remember where you ranked. I was like third or something. Regardless, there's a lot of brands out there. So, you know, can you just give me the grounds of what makes a good brand right now in the cannabis space? No, it's a fantastic question, right? It's, it, it's quality. It, it's quality of product and consistency and user experience. Um, if you can really nail down those two things, um, which it is very, very hard to do, right? There's, I'm not sure what brands are over us in total sales. That's interesting because so Select's built itself across the United States to be very focused on the customer and, and for customers to see that. Like, for instance, I live in Vegas now. I call Vegas an international state because everyone that from Oklahoma, Oregon, Idaho, Washington, Florida, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, Maine, everyone comes to Vegas. So the brand has to be resent, represented there in, in Nevada in, in a good way. And then you also have to be able to see that brand at home. So how do you make that brand, you know, a national brand and synonymous and identify that with customers? Well, you have to, again, leading back to your question, you have to really get into the quality of the brand, the, the, the specs that you set for that. What is the potency? What is the consistency? What is the quality of the terpenes? What are you testing for? Molds, mildews, residual solvents, micro, uh, micro, uh, uh, micros, microbes, um, uh, uh, pesticides, and so forth. So kind of setting those standard practices and then layering those practices across the United States, whether or not the state chooses to test as stringent as we do, we still have our own standard that we set. And, and that's really how we've kind of, we've created our brand. So that's, that. that's how it looks like, yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. And, you know, before we jump into a few of your other ventures, I want to get to a few of the questions of the chat from Zach. Uh, can you provide any commentary on what Select is doing to increase distribution? Uh, specifically in California, and I maybe broaden that question a bit to what's next for Select. You know, Select is all about innovation. Um, it always has been. So we are innovating in the vaporizer space, vaporizer hardware space. Um, we're, we're innovating in the solventless space. Um, we're innovating in uh, the nano uh, gummy space. Um, just that that just sounds cool. But our, yeah, nano gummies. Yeah, man, I, I really hope we, we, we have some goodies waiting in, in the hotel in Vegas <laughs> as soon as we get there. Hey, I'll, I'll, there's uh, always, always, we'll, we'll take care of you. Come by the store and we're, we're happy to service you guys. Um, there, there's two stores here in Vegas. One's called Acres, one's called Cure Leaf. Um, eventually they'll both be Cure Leaf. Um, but we've got a couple cool products, you know, now, for instance, here's one with, um, you know, let me talk first about nanotechnology. So the nanotechnology is really unique because you're going to absorb Instead of going and processing through the liver like a normal edible that takes 45 minutes to an hour, depending on your metabolism, the nanotechnology mm -hmm. really uh, uh, shrinks the molecule and it allows a, a better penetration kind of through the upper GI um, and the uh, equius. Um, Jesse's going to kill me for this, our scientist. He, he's got this down to the details. And 
So what it does is it, it, it absorbs very, very rapidly. So it'll absorb mm -hmm. between, you know, 15 to 25 minutes. Um, so my, our, our goal is with the company is, you know, getting on pace with alcohol, you know, cannabis is like alcohol. It should be treated the same way. It should be treated, you know, just the exact same way, right? You should be 21 to, to use it. Um, you know, unless you have medical conditions then you can be mm -hmm. younger, um, but it should be regulated in the same aspect. And, you know, cannabis needs to work, uh, about the same pace as alcohol. So, yes. you know, when someone doesn't want to drink, I have, I have a, 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 a intestinal uh, problems. And, and when I drink that, that can cause heartburn and acid reflux. Yeah. I'd rather use cannabis, right? And a lot of people would rather use cannabis than alcohol. So you need to have a, a similar path where if you're going out and having a, a, a cocktail or having a drink with a, with a friend, you need your cannabis product to work like a beer or work like a, a, a drink where you're getting incrementally more in, uh, intoxicated at the same time um, instead of, you know, uh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, nothing's happening. And then an hour later, wow, what happened? <laughs> you know, Whoa, this thing really hit me. That's never so, happened to any of us, Cam. Ever, ever, right? <laughs> That's what the nano, nano product is for. Um, we also are, you know, working on a beverage. Um, on my other company, I'm working on a beverage that actually um, – uh, um, uh, counter acts uh, being uh, too high. So alcohol, oh. there's nothing you can do besides drinking the water in between every drink. Um, this is going to be a new <laughs> beverage um, that's going to be able to counteract uh, the, the THC. Uh, okay, yeah, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. A little more detail on that. What's the company? What are you doing? What? Just, I mean, so, this, is, this is Break the story. Break it here, Cameron. Break, break it here. <laughs> may, may as well, right? Um, so I, I started this um, this uh, venture fund called Hypescale Ventures. Um, I have a lot of great partners in there. Dr. Noah Minskoff is one of my partners, four degrees, uh, residency at Stanford Surgeon, very, very sharp individual. And he's been working with a collection of companies um, that we're actually getting ready to set up here in Nevada. We're actually setting up a very large incubator um, with the governor and with uh, uh, the city councilman and uh, uh, with all government approval to kind of set up a Canatech incubator which is gonna be working on a lot of these things such as uh, cannabis beverage formulation, uh, quantum water. Quantum water gets between five and a hundred times quicker absorption, not only to humans, but to plants. Um, huh. And a lot of pretty cool uh, AI LED lights because my goal in cannabis is to get cannabis to a less carbon neutral footprint or more carbon neutral footprint. So my goal is to go solar into LEDs, use the water from the LEDs to cool and flood the humidity in the room through magnetic lighting, um, and really use LEDs like post lights um, to, to really lessen that, that burden of having all of the, 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 the uh, uh, HVAC and all the uh, dehumidifiers in the room um, and really use can of tech uh, to get us there and to make cannabis less of an impact and an imprint on our environment. So it's a massive, cool massive thing I'm pushing That's for. fantastic. How cool is that? And I mean, I mean, you're like a dummy just eating regular brownies and drinking regular water. It's pretty cool stuff. A lot of, a lot of really interesting people. And Do you a lot find of that the sustainability oh. aspect of that is attractive? I mean, I would imagine that's really attractive to investors. I mean, not only to investors, just but humans in general. Yeah. I mean, we have to look and take a really good look at ourselves and what we're doing to this planet. I mean, I don't even drink water bottles anymore. I, I refill a metal water bottle every single day. Yeah. I created a system in my house that refills this water bottle and I just kept seeing all these bottles pile up, pile up, and it just drives me insane. And I've always wanted to create change and create impact in our community. And, and, and I, I think, you know, caring about our environment and our planet that we're on, I mean, look at Musk. Musk is trying to 
trying to get uh, get us to a multi-planet species ASAP just because of <laughs> how fast we're growing and how fast we're consuming. And it's really a scary thing if you look at it, you know, and, and really think about it for a long time. So, you know, we got to do a lot for cannabis and getting us more carbon neutral on our footprint, our power usage, you know, our water usage, um, our waste, our packaging waste is disgusting in cannabis. Um, the rules and regulations really have to make a significant shift in cannabis. You're, you're getting 15 packages uh, to take out one item and it's just not necessary. And, you know, that's something that we're going to be working on too. But, you know, so for hype scale, you know, um, hype scale is really going to be focused on uh, uh, genetics, a lot of cannabis genetics. What's the new strain? What's the most unique strain? What's the flower time of those strain? What climate conditions going to be grown across the United States? Um, what is the potency of that strain? And what is, um, you know, primarily the, the key uh, terpenes and attributes uh, of those strains. Uh, so that's a focus of pipe scale as well as customer experience. That is everything from product development to lounges. Uh, cannabis consumption lounges are starting to be a big thing. So we're investing mm -hmm. in a few of those lounges and want to create a really unique customer experience. But then the, you know, giving side of that is I'm going to be working with a lot of uh, socially, uh, social equity applicants and disenfranchised communities for cannabis. Um, so that's going to be a lot of mentorship and training because, you know, when you get into this space, they're like, oh, here's your social equity applicant. Got it. No problem. Have you ever run a business? Maybe. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully. Have you ever been in cannabis or run cannabis? Um, maybe. Yes. I was in cannabis in the, in the illicit market, but never really been in the regulated market and had to deal with all the hurdles and all the challenges and the rules, the regulations and the yeah. stipulations that were involved in being in this space. So I'm going to do a lot, lot of, of, of helping kind of around that aspect uh, in, in the hype scale as well. So, yeah. So are you able to play that into, um, uh, there's, uh, we talked to Khadija uh, yeah, a while back. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. About like the four pillars. Uh, is yep. that, is that a kind of a, does it play into that? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's in rooted in good and four pillars. Um, with Cureleaf, I'm, I'm participating in that, starting a mentorship uh, with a young individual right now. Um, and then I'm going to be doing some on my own uh, uh, here in Nevada through Hypescale as well. Super yeah. cool. I mean, it seems like you're, you're you know, you, you you did good when when you got acquired, when when Select got acquired. But you did good. <laughs> you, you, <laughs> then, you know, you, you allocate much of the money to do good, right? Yeah. Uh, from from the Forney Family Foundation to Hypescale to the incubator, right? Can you can you give us a, an overview of of where you're putting your money, where you're investing in, and, and you know, where, like, what you, what you doing with the money, basically? Yeah, I, I always invest in people. I invest in people first. Um, you know, their businesses are obviously very, very important, and they've got to be a, uh, a strong business, strong uh, background, and um, a, a product that I'm really interested in that's either helping or benefiting, uh, you know, the world in some way. Um, that's where my, you know, main focuses are. But the Forney Family Foundation is just a foundation that I set up. Uh, I was from Portland, Oregon originally, and I couldn't deal with the homeless issues. The, the homelessness issues in Portland are rampant. It's, it's really, really sad what the governor's let happen to the state of Oregon. Um, there's tents everywhere. You don't feel safe. Um, cars are being broken into every night. They've legalized all drugs, meth, heroin, crack, cocaine, uh, uh, coca uh, everything in, 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 in small dosage. So you see this literally on the streets. So Portland needs a big cleanup. And I remember talking to John Wentworth. He's a district attorney up there. Uh, in Oregon, and he said the biggest issue for homelessness is foster children. It's these foster mm -hmm. kids that go into foster care, and then they have no mentoring, they have no guiding, they have no parent, they have no one teaching them, they have no one to fall back on. So they just kind of get, get spun out and, and and go their own way, and and they don't have any of that support system. So I'm going to be I'm working here with United Ways of Southern Nevada and Dana uh, uh, Boldazar, 
Um, and uh, Mackenzie Scott is uh, uh, Jeff Bezos' ex-wife. She just did a big uh, donation into uh, the UHSS uh, uh, United Ways as well. And the Forney Foundation is going to be uh, donating in that as well, specifically focused on um, you know foster children, food insecure and uh, insecure and sheltering uh, homeless. Um, that's that's kind of our big 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 real focus is there. It's education, workplace support, and community. So you know you got to take care of everyone, and you got to take care of people um, so that everyone rises up. And, and that's that's really my my focus as an entrepreneur, and that's what I want to do uh, with the rest of my life. I could retire now and not do anything, and um, that's just uh, that's just not the case. I, I want to stay moving and I want to make an impact on this planet. So that's my goal. That's awesome. That's incredible, man. Really respect to you there. Because I mean, over the course of the last, I would say eight months, I mean, it seems the the trends of, you know, ESG are, it's a wave, you know, it's going up and down. So it's nice to see executives like take a personal interest in it. Um, just for my Got more time now. I used to be running all these states and now, <laughs> and now just special advisor. So I don't, I'm not good at sleeping. That's why I started cannabis. I, I couldn't sleep at night. I have insomnia. Yeah. It's a dilemma. It's a dilemma. Like I love yeah. to sleep, but I hate going to sleep. So it's never... can, you know, the kind of, you know, and my last question here, Javi may have one more, but can you comment a little bit on the landscape of the, your competitors for lack of a better term, right? When you look at can, you can maybe comment on Hexo, you know, they just announced carbon neutrality. Is that something that, um, you know, how they did it? Is that how you're doing it? Or maybe like, you know, truly hitting a hundred dispensaries, are, are they, um, are, do you appreciate another MSO's footprint? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the question from the chat. Yeah. Ooh. No, I appreciate everyone um, in this industry. It's, it's a very difficult industry to work in. Anyone that knows this or anyone that's operating a significant company or even any cannabis company in any state, it is difficult. It is painful at times. Rules and regulations shift under your feet like an earthquake. And, and you have to be ready for those changes. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's nonstop if you really want to be significant in this space. So I have an incredible amount of respect for all the other MSOs and all the other cannabis companies. I'm actually doing a roll-up of cannabis companies uh, as well during my free time um, where I'm taking you know, individual operators, standalone uh, uh, retailers, uh, standalone cultivators, um, and vertically integrating those companies uh, to allow sustainability with those companies because the taxation is so difficult in this space especially in California, where you have a supply chain tax, uh, luxury tax, uh, sales tax, uh, uh, city tax, gross revenue tax, uh, wet pound weight tax supply chain. I mean, it's over 100% taxation. And if you're just a retailer, you have 280E hitting you, and you aren't able to vertically integrate down, you're, 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 you're actually not profitable when it comes tax time. So it's, it's very, very important to vertically integrate these companies. So I'm doing a lot of vertical integration with small businesses, business owners, and, and, and chains um, across the United States, you know, primarily focused on, I've got Nevada, California, Arizona, New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Illinois, Pennsylvania, and Florida are my key targets right now for that. Um, and those are gonna be the main states that, uh, that I'm gonna be working with these companies um, to, to help vertically integrate them so they can be sustainable for the future. Because it is only the first inning, second inning in cannabis, right? We got a long ways to go. So, uh, so we, gotta, we gotta work together. You know, in the, in the last minute that we have, um, what do you think is next for cannabis since, since these are the first innings, right? You know, what, what's next in cannabis is really going to be products, user experience, you know, getting carbon neutral, 
you know, getting getting cannabis to a, a renewable place is, is very important. Um, and, and getting cannabis to be more like alcohol, um, where, you know, it's, it's treated the same way in all states and, and banking and, and, and banking. The Safe Act passing is going to be uh, one of the biggest uh, tidal waves uh, to hit the cannabis industry. Um, so it's a good time to be investing in cannabis. Um, it's a good time to be investing in strong companies in cannabis. Um, mm -hmm. because when that safe banking does pass, you go from trading, you know, let's say 10 million shares a day where you have a, like a canopy trading on ish, hundred ish million shares a day, a uh, hundred million dollars worth of shares a day. And, and now all of a sudden the big financial institutions can get involved. The Robin Hooders, the TD Ameritrade, mm -hmm. all, the, all, the, all the retail customers can actually buy stock. Have you tried buying Cureleaf stock? It's hard, man. It's, it's hard. It's a lot of work. It's it not is an a easy lot process. Of work stock. <laughs> we are not touching the retail customer yet. We are not even touching them anywhere. So when the Safe Banking Act passes, that's when this massive tsunami, this tidal wave, will come crashing into cannabis, and that's when it's time to be part of, you know, good strong companies with core values and core products um, that can reach the customer at a large scale. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cameron Forney is the founder of Select, a massive cannabis brand. If you don't know it, go check it out. He's a special advisor to the CEO of Coorleaf. Joy Byron, and overall, a guy who doesn't like to sleep. <laughs> Cameron, <laughs> thank you so <laughs> much for joining us at Benzinga yeah. Cannabis Hour. Cameron, much pleasure, man. Appreciate Thanks you being so here. Really appreciate you. Wonderful. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Talk to you soon, my friend. Awesome. Awesome. Javi, thank you for getting Cameron. That was a killer conversation. I mean, it's it's been years in the making. And the way, by the way, we reconnected um, a few weeks ago during a, a meeting for the Rolling Stone Cultural Council. We're both uh, members and, you know, just, you know, connected to a meeting where there's different industries, you know, and, and people from very diverse industries. And suddenly I see a familiar face here and go like, oh, there's Cam. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I, I can't get over what he's doing with the Forney Family Foundation. Like I, I want to find a way for Benzinga to be a part of that. Um, that's fantastic. Y'all, I hope you enjoyed the show. Super interesting discussions with the, uh, a major service provider in this industry, what they're doing to affect the bottom lines of many companies in the space and the addressable market therein, uh, and Cureleaf, uh, you know, but honestly, a completely different perspective within Cureleaf. It, it's always a pleasure to talk to their executives. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm very happy with this show and I hope you all enjoyed it. Drop a one in the chat if you did. Javier, one more shout out, man, October 14th and 15th going to be an amazing event. Uh, parent company, Unrivaled Brands, um, Air Wellness. Uh, I mean, the list goes on. You listed a bunch earlier. I'm trying to think of the others we didn't list, but uh, really appreciate you guys joining us. Please see us there uh, or definitely you know, tune in virtually. That's all I got, Javi. Any last words for our wonderful listeners? That's it. Go check out bzcannabis.com for more information on the event and Benzinga.com slash cannabis for all of your cannabis news. And podcast, Cannabis Daily, every morning at 10 a.m. I do it. Thanks so much. Love you guys. <laughs> getting, getting much love up for, for the podcast. I'm going to share some of the comments next week. We're getting comments from – this week I got comments about Elliot's podcast from Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, um, Nigeria. Wait, where, where else? Wait, one, one person was from like a very strange – from Mali. From you know, like Mali in Africa, and it was like, how how did he even find us? Wow, I, I'm I'm all for it, man. I want to hear some of these comments. This is new for me. 
Um, but, but y'all, I mean, Javi, I'm actually, I actually do that. That's, (laughs) that's awesome. I'm like, I'm a little flushed right now. Um, I'm glad to hear that though, but y'all thanks again for listening as always. Thanks to Aaron Thomas. Could not do this without him. Uh, And Javier, thanks to you for everything you do for us, man. We'll see you guys next on next week on Tuesday. That's Tuesday. I won't. You will. I'll see you on Tuesday. I'm going to the beach. Get out of here. Yeah, I was a heavy drinker, but I didn't recognize what the people closest to me recognized. I ended up laying flatlined on a hospital operating table. Somehow the surgeons brought me back to life. When your life depends on it, there's only one place you can turn. Karen. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit caron.org slash real. Karen. Real results. Real care. Real about recovery. If your account's payable is buried in paperwork, getting back to normal may not sound so appealing. Automate with Avid Exchange and enjoy 100% digital accounts payable. With 24-7 access and secure e-payment options, you can easily review, approve, and pay your bills anytime, anywhere, from any device. So say goodbye to all that paperwork and hello to the ease and flexibility of automated accounts payable. Learn more at avidexchange.com. That's avidexchange.com.